The title of the message is uh, Keeping People Off Balance. Uh, I believe one of the best ways to keep people off balance in life is to give them just enough philosophy to make them guess, but never to let them arrive at anything, to keep them away from the truth or to, to keep the truth far and elusive and uh, kind of gray, and it's like a mirage. You, you can run at it, but you, and you can sort of see maybe some of it, but you can't get it. Um, another thing is to keep people um, steeped in their own mental prisons, to give them wonderful-sounding principles that they can never attain, they can never verify their true progress, to keep them guessing and always questioning. Last week we talked about these philosophies that were infiltrating the Colossian church. Is why Paul wrote this letter to this Colossian church for this reason. And it was because this young church had all these people come in there and start telling them all this stuff. And the Gnostics and the Greek gods and um, pantheism and all of these things, uh, polytheistic um, Egyptian gods. I mean, they were all these these it was like this crossroads where all these things were kind of being woven and married together. And in our day, two famous people that do this better than anybody are Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra. I don't know if you know who they are. It is sort of funny. I didn't even think you would laugh at that. But these two have gotten together. Oprah's from my hometown. I've known Oprah, not personally, since I was about two years old um, because Oprah from Chicago has been a staple on television uh, for 40-something years now. And lately, she's delving into the spiritual and she's delving into universalism. And she believes very interesting things to tie her star to a guy like Deepak Chopra. And I, I can't believe that they, they, do, uh, they do retreats together and they do YouTube things together. But one of the things that blows me away is what she actually believes, is what Oprah actually believes. She believes that um, she says she's a universalist and she says that she might even say that she's a Christian, but then she says, um, God is in all. Okay. Let's take those middle words out. God and all are fine. God is all. (laughs) But God is in all. That drifts to an Eastern Hinduism type of a thing. And Deepak Chopra was born in India. And India is mostly, not 100%, but it's mostly Hindu. And so you've got, today, you've got people starting to pull this in and starting to believe some of this. Um, there's a, a website called the Progressive Church, and these are their points. These are not mine. I, I didn't make this up. They are um, holding to the following beliefs. The one, believing that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and oneness and unity of all life. Two, affirm that the teachings of, of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Three, seeking community that is inclusive of all people, including but not limited to conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, believers, agnostics, men, women, those of all sexual orientations, genders, identities, those of all classes and abilities. Well, I don't know that you have to say that these people are allowed in our church because 
those people are allowed in this church. I mean, all people. We, we always write, all are welcome. But we're seeking a community that's inclusive of all of, all of these people's theological bents or worldviews or everything that anybody could bring into this room is all on the exact same level. That's what they're saying. Know that knowing that the way we believe towards one another is the fullest expression of what we believe, that we find grace in the search for understanding and believe there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. I'm going to read that one last time. Finding grace, we love grace, grace is wonderful, uh, in the search for understanding and believe there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. I'm not even going to read the last ones because we don't even have the time. But that's enough to chew on. Keeping people off balance. What keeps people off balance? Well, um, I didn't think that I would ever read something from Deepak Chopra from this pulpit, but he says the following. We are constantly reincarnating. Jesus and Buddha are both great teachers. When we die, we fetch our memories and simply exist in space. We are all part of a collective ocean of humanity. We live in each other forever. Our soul is part of the universe and the universe is part of our soul. God is an infinite being who did not create the universe, but rather becomes the universe. Very Hinduism, very uh, a Hinduistic principle, although I don't know what he would even say about himself because later on he says, walk with those who seek truth, run from those who say that they have found it. Okay, so anybody who says anything truthful is somebody to avoid? Because I don't, then I don't remember why, I don't know why any of this would even be something, why would I listen to someone who says that? And then there is a, a, a marriage of Buddhism in all of this. There's a marriage of Eastern thought. In 1900, the amount of people in this country that knew a Buddhist or, or, or practiced was 1%. 25% of the country is, is saying right now that they are of this faith now, of the Eastern New Age, like, like put them all in a, in a New Age category, Eastern thought, Sheiks, or excuse me, Sikhs, Hindus, Buddhism, Taoism, um, uh, 25%. So what's happened in the past 120-something years? Travel, speaking, people coming and teaching and preaching this stuff. And so it keeps people off balance because it, it, the progressive church, which there are churches in this town that you have heard of, ones I know you've heard of, that say on their website they agree with what we preach and what we teach here, but they are not pushing this. What I just read to you, progr that progressive, those bullet points, they are pushing that. And so what am I supposed to think if I've been going to this church and all of a sudden now uh, my faith is kind of shipwrecked? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, 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 no but he's one teacher. So I'm, I'm like, guys, I've been researching this all week. I honestly want to just shoot myself. I, I cannot nail it down. Nailing down Deepak Chopra to a faith or to a statement that, that comes at you and then doesn't immediately boomerang back out into the stratosphere is like nailing jello to a wall. I cannot do it. I tried very hard. I've known about this guy for a long time. And Oprah and him have married this universal Christianism because Oprah does claim to be a Christian. There are many, many famous Christians or famous celebrities that claim to be a universal Christian. 
That could mean anything nowadays. That could mean Deepak Chopra. But there's no Christian. Well, Jesus was a good man. At least. At least, buddy. Let's, let's look at the body of work quickly. So, why do I say all this on the front end? Verse 4 of chapter 2. Paul says to this church, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Not your faith in something else. Not your faith in Ra, the sun god. Not your faith in pantheism. Not your faith in Zeus or Greek mythology. All this stuff was in this church. All of it. Everything I just mentioned. Not Buddha, but close to it. So here's a church that's being founded by a guy who's, who's writing, or, or, or a guy who's trying to encourage by writing a letter, who's in prison, writing a letter to these guys, longing to be with them, longing to be able to preach in, the, in this church, and saying, guys, I want to let you know, lest anyone that comes in here tells you you need to go back to something of the past or you need to incorporate this faith with something else because we're all moving inclusive the whole world's moving inclusive we're going to be one huge utopia we're all going to be driving electric cars soon we're all going to have solar every we're going to solve all the problems of the climate change and all these things are solved through i'm not i'm not making this up some of them say this environmentalism is one of the most important things to this progressive church environmentalism I'm all for it. I don't, I don't like seeing smokestacks. I don't like being choked out by a diesel truck that floors his car at the stoplight. I, I love clean things. I love the earth being beautiful before an Amazon fulfillment center was built right out my window and is literally the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Jesus is desert. And then now I got to look at a blue and white building with 800 parking spaces built in a river that no one else could build in except for Amazon. Okay, I'm a little bitter about it. Um, unfortunately, I still order from them. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy, right here. People say the church is full of hypocrites. Start with me. You better believe it is because it's, it's, because humans are walking inside of it. That's why it is. So what these, these progressive teachers, what these gurus, what these swamis, what these, uh, whatever you want to call it, bishops, fathers, priests, what people are pushing today is this, this neo, what I would call neo-new-ageness. And guys, it is hard to nail down. It's one of the reasons I told you guys that I put these things out here. Because it's everything from the cults to Eastern religions to proofs of the Bible. It's, it's things that you may not know. Because I also talked to, I used to associate with a lot of Buddhists and uh, if you talk to them, they go, well, there's no one way to practice. Well, that doesn't help. There's four million different ways to practice Buddhism. Well, that really doesn't help me because I, I don't have much time on this earth. Oh, don't worry. Hinduism tells you that you can reincarnate for the rest of time and maybe, just maybe, up your status, but maybe not. Because if you, if you, if you don't do your dharma, if you don't live with merit, if you don't uh, have good karma, Jesus used a different language for karma. If you don't do that, you may end up being untouchable or you may never get to the status. Or in Buddhism, you may, may never get to nirvana. You may never get there. Well, I'd like something that I can believe in that checks me 
and shows me the way and lights up my world and lights up my path. And these folks, just like us, had people coming in trying to weave in things that would keep them off balance. That's what's going on in this world right now. More than ever, I've never seen anything like this, is no one wants to say there's truth. If you say truth, you're in trouble. In the progressive progressive church, if you adhere to authority, if you say that the scriptures are an authority, that's, you're, you're wrong. You can't say that in this church. You can't, everybody's on their path and however they find it, however they earnestly, as long as we're still asking questions, we're good. That's the whole philosophy. Guys, that's, that's neo-Hinduism. That's literally Hinduism inside the church. 30 years ago, people go like, I don't even understand this. Like, what are you talking about? There's none, none of these heresies are in the church. Oh, uh, they've always been in the church. There's always been people trying to weave in different truths. And yet at the same time, the same people that want this, just whatever, this loosey-goosey, just however you feel like acting, still want the law enforced at their property. Well, of course, we're not allowed to do this, this, and this, and this. Well, if my truth tells me that you're in my way and I need to eliminate you, how do you question my truth? I want your car out of my way. And so I'm going to smash it because my truck's bigger than yours. Well, you can't do that. Well, why? Well, it's illegal. Well, why? Because the law says that. Well, why is there a law? Why has there been a law? Why have there been laws in the books? Because without it, there's anarchy. Without anybody calling us to some kind of standard where as a society we agree to live by a certain amount of standards that allow us to continue, without that, we perish. Civilizations with absolute anarchy do not last very long. Paul says, yeah, I'm not with you guys right now in the flesh, but I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order. There needs to be order. God is a God of order. He set order in motion. And at the same time, he gave the Christian a, a, a bedrock, a foundation, a footer, and that is Christ Jesus the Lord. He said, your steadfastness and your good order, those are because of your faith in Christ. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The anchor is Christ. When you study the Gospels and you study the life of Jesus, you never see Jesus out of order. You never see him disorderly. You never see him chaotic. You never see him running around, pulling out his hair, stressed out, flipping out. You never see that. You see that all over this country. You see that all over this city. You never see him questioning the Father. You never see him questioning the will of his Father. You never see him like, where's my time? Where's my spa time? I want to go down to the Dead Sea. You know how many spas are down in the Dead Sea right now? Like a mile of them, straight beautiful. Jesus was never like, I'm taking a week off. I'm vacationing. I'm sabbaticaling this month. No, he's always in tune with the Father. He's always, he's he's dialed in completely to the will of the Father and anchored in the will of his Father. That you and I would be hopefully built up in Christ first. That's what establishes our faith. And ultimately, he is our teacher. He is, Christ is the teacher. I know a lot of people have pet uh, pastors they love. I know uh, a lot of you guys listen to uh, a lot of great pastors that are out there, a lot of great Bible teachers, theologians, what have you. I get all that. But sometimes we find out that these great people have really, really, really bad lives. And then we're wrecked because we listen to this guy, 
like Ravi Zacharias, uh, for 30-something years, and we find out at the end of his life he was really, really living a double life. And then we go, uh, well, I guess this is how everybody is. No, it's not how everybody is. It's not how Jesus was. <laughs> Jesus wasn't like this. But if you, put your, if you put your faith, if you put your stock, if you say, well, I subscribe to this person, whoever that person is, Paul said, don't do that with me. Don't do that with Apollos. Don't do that with Peter. Don't do that with these people. You only have one that needs to teach you, Jesus said, and that's the Father. God Almighty will be your teacher. Now, does it, does it help sometimes to open up a resource or watch a YouTube video on somebody that's done a lot of study on something cool and go, wow, that's really, really cool? A guy who's, uh, you know, whose job is to, to find some of these artifacts that they found in Israel and, and to kind of show you, you know, the history behind them. Yeah, that's cool. It enhances my faith. It's cool. It's like a little vitamin. Take it. It's awesome. Enhancement. But that guy's not my guy, whoever that is. That girl's not my girl. Whoever that anthropologist or that, that, that biologist or whatever that, that says something really astute and you're like, wow, I never thought of it that way. That's cool, but that can't be who's first in your mind or when they fall because all people are sinners, then you might be really, really derailed from your faith. You might be off balance when that happens. So he says, therefore... You guys have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is before everybody had the complete canon of scripture. So they were taught certain things and they had certain, um, they had certain things written down for them, but not like you and I do right now. Not like you, you can do a word search in 15 seconds on your phone and find out the Hebrew meaning of a word that you've really have been struggling with and have somebody talk about that and explain that in 30 seconds. You're like, wow, that really helps me understand this. That's cool. Their faith was in Christ and the spirit of God was teaching them, individually teaching them. So we remember this. We talked last week about how the spirit and the soul are very different, but a lot of people don't recognize that. And so they think that their soul is who they are. And when their soul goes AWOL, so does the rest of them. We're going to talk about that next week or the week after. So... He says, beware, verse 8, lest anyone cheat you through empty, excuse me, through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. There's so much in verse 8. I just want to read a a quick quote from uh, A.J. Ironside that I thought was really cool about this. He says, nowhere in the scriptures, and philosophy is the love of knowledge, the origination of it, um, a, you know, I'm, I'm, simp- I'm making it s- simple, but nowhere in the scripture is the acquisition of knowledge condemned. There's nowhere in scripture where, where a Christian is told, avoid wisdom. Quite the opposite if you read Solomon. It is the wisdom of the world, he says, not its knowledge that is foolishness with God. Not wisdom, God created wisdom. It is the wisdom of the world that we're talking about here not its knowledge. That is foolishness with God. 1 Corinthians 3.19, philosophy is merely worldly wisdom. It is the effort of the human mind to solve the mystery of the universe, but it is not an exact science. For philosophers have never been able to come to any satisfactory conclusion about the why and the wherefore of things. The Greeks seek after wisdom, we are told in 1 Corinthians 1, and it was they who led the way in, philosoph- 
in philosophy and theorizing. Before the divine revelation came, when Christ died and the spirit was given to the church, it was proper for man to seek by wisdom to solve the riddles that nature was constantly poising. But now that God has spoken, there is no longer it is no longer necessary and it may lead to grave infidelity. Um, climate change. If you drive around this neighborhood, you'll see every 10th house has a climate action now, sometimes in Spanish, sometimes in English. People are, there, there are so many people right now that are terrified that this world is just gonna like throw a natural disaster on them and just eliminate them. I, I, like I'm not kidding about this and, and I'm not joking. Um, if, they, if they're fearful of that, I'm not, I'm not making light of it. I understand um, that nature in general, a hurricane, a flood, these things can do more damage than anything, than July heat, because water can destroy a beautiful home in two seconds. It can just take it right down the river. And so we talk about uh, climate change. We talk about all these things. Well, guess what? I've been reading about this, and climatologists don't all agree. Are you shocked by this? They don't all agree. I'm not even reading one of them that's a Christian. I'm reading ones that all study at university. They're PhD paid professionals that are paid to go and to find out what is really going on right now and if it's the result of us driving gas cars that is the result of this. They do not agree. So once again, we've got some fluid, we've got some fluid thought, we've got a little bit of, uh, I don't really know if it's that, I don't really know if it's this or that. Well, we're, we're not allowed to ever use natural gas or fuel again. Well, how's that working out for Europe right now? It's kind of a problem if you don't have something else in place already. Um, it's like you, you, you can, there's no consensus here. But if you read certain news articles, you would think that there was consensus. The problem is that there is not. And so I'm not saying that we are not on the hook for something. And we have a lot of garbage mountains around this country that are burning a truckload of methane. I get that. I used to live by one. And man, did it smell horrible. Um, we used to call Silverball Golf Course Stinky Bell because it, it burns methane because it used to be some kind of uh, landfill or something. That's what I was told anyway. But, it, but I want to talk about the traditions briefly because the traditions are huge too. He says, don't let anybody cheat you through philosophy, which we just talked about, but also traditions. There's traditions of men. What are traditions of men? Well, sometimes they're just traditions of men, like the cowboys always play on Thanksgiving. That's a tradition of American men. Um, it's not bad or good. It's not wrong or right, um, especially if the cowboys would get a good team. Sorry. But there's the traditions of men. And I don't have a, a ton of these things. I don't have... Um, all of it written down, but I do have a couple things that I thought would be interesting just to bring to your attention because people in the church kind of know about this. Number one, a tradition in the church, worship and music style. Uh, number two, the order of the worship service. What if one Sunday I preached first and we sang worship song second? Some of you would be like, I don't know if that's right. Uh, it's very wrong. Uh, we can't be doing that. I don't know. I don't know if, if that's uh, something that we got just because we're Americans and we did that because we, we feel that music kind of calms people down a little bit and makes them think before the worship. But there are people who don't have worship uh, music in their services. And there's people who go, you know what? We just really want to uh, preach and that's all we want to do. And if you want to sing music, that's great. They don't judge us for doing music. They don't judge us for when we do it. 
the times of the worship services. Some say, well, if you do Saturday night, you got to do Sunday too. You can't just do Saturday night. That's, that's wrong. That's a tradition. The role of the pastor. What does the pastor do? Well, he needs to be omnipresent. He needs to be available to everybody. He needs to go to lunch every single week with everybody in the church or else it's not a pastor. Well, I would be 800 pounds if I went to lunch with all of you every single week. Committee structure. Uh, many congregations are run by committees. Sometimes committees, after 30 or 40 years of the same people being on the committees that started in their 20s, uh, sometimes they ruin the church. Sometimes they run the pastors off. I have pastor friends of mine that have been run out of a church because if a committee told them you couldn't preach out of a certain book. In the Bible, I'm like, are you guys Christians? Yeah, but you shouldn't preach out of that. Well, you're wrong, so you guys need to leave. You need to get rid of that committee. And that church will likely die uh, not too long after that type of stuff is said. Specific ministries and programs. Oh, we have to offer this or we have to offer that. The use of specific rooms. There are certain people who go, oh, that room is... Uh, uh, was dedicated and it's sacred and so it can't be used for an outreach because people might come in and they might be uh, high on weed so we can't have that inside wait what don't we want people to come in the church all people to come into the church and hear what what god would say to them yes we do some of these traditions are just that they're just things that people have told well this is how we've always done it always what are you talking about you've been around the church 20 years always jesus been jesus uh has been uh, resurrected since the year 32-ish. So you've been around for what? Maybe one fraction of a percent? Why, do, why does that tradition hold so much weight over the church? It just does. Paul's saying, shouldn't be. So some of these things are, are intra-church. Some are inter, intra. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ. Some of them are both. Some of them are a philosophy of the world that got called a tradition and now we do it. Double whammy, double jeopardy, if you will. Get rid of it, guys. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him meaning you don't need Deepak Chopra. You don't need Oprah's, uh, I don't know, the, the YouTube meditation retreat that she's selling on YouTube. You don't need it. And, and I, would, I would strongly take issue with someone who said she's an evangelical, just so you know. Um, I, no man knows the heart, okay? So, you know, by time somebody who's a famous Christian dies and you find out horrible things or they walked away from the faith, once again... I hate when people ask me, do you think that person's saved? Do you think that person's going to be in heaven? I don't want to answer that question ever again about anybody. But based on what she's saying, I would take issue with the fact that she agrees with the scripture that I'm reading you today. That's all I'm saying. Pray for her. For in him, Christ Almighty, dwells all the fullness of God. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Really quickly, I know we're, we're running, running uh, low, uh, low of time again. Christ is the head of all things. When you get back to what we talked about in progressive Christianity and all the derivatives of Eastern religion that are now infiltrating the church in general, there is confusion woven into it on purpose. It's purposefully elusive. 
It is the way the deceiver, the way the enemy would want things. He would want you to never really know if you're on track or not. Like, how can you just, just always be asking questions? Always be like, well, I wonder if I should be, you know, if I should be doing this or this. And the second, you know, you feel like you should, no, that, that's not good. That's a little bit of absolute truth or that's a little bit of confirmation. That's not how, how the universe is. The universe wants you just in constant limbo. The greatest lie that Satan ever gave was in the garden when he said, did God really say that? Or did he want you to avoid rebellion in that way because he knew that if you ate of that tree that you would be like him? It's called projection, Satan. It's a defense mechanism. That's what got you kicked out. And now you're trying to get everybody else to run from God, to rebel from God. Because God wants to be known by us. He wants to uh, tabernacle with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. But it's through Christ. It cannot be any other way. Because we live under grace. Every cult, there's one thing that's in common with every single cult in this world. There's there's, There's one thing that's in common with every false religion. There is no grace in any of them. You do not get anywhere with grace except for in one faith and that is Christ. There is no grace that you can be like, well, God gives me favor in Hinduism, and therefore I don't have to do a single thing in order to to get his, um, I don't have to, quote, do my dharma to get his favor, or I don't have to do these things. Grace is exclusive to Christ, to the faith that Jesus is giving us in not only Colossians, but all of these letters. So, when you say God today, many people go, oh, that, that means so many different things. When you say God through Christ, you are complete. Make no mistake, people are going to balk at this because it leads to accountability. It leads, it leads somebody to the point where they can't do something to merit eternal life or to merit eternal nirvana or to be out of this life. They, they're not good enough as is. They have to go and do a series of things. But when you come to Christ, you you must be discipled. You must follow after him and you must continue on in the relationship. It's not a one and done thing. You don't just just, uh, grab a get out of jail free card like Monopoly and put it in your pocket and be like, okay, now I can go back to all the other things that I believed before and never think about it again. That's not Christianity. So there's a song I love called In Christ Alone. We sing it a lot. At the beginning and the end of all knowledge, all philosophy, all knowledge is in Christ alone. Scripture says he's the the author and finisher of our faith. He is the architect of the universe. And so in Christ, you can be complete. You can know. You can have assurance. And you can be saved through Christ couple things in closing. Part of discipleship is knowing the essentials from the non-essentials. Like I said, there's a lot of things in the church that people go, well, you have to do communion every single week. I went to a church that believed that. Um, the, the pastor preached it, hardcore. And after many, many, many years, that pastor was removed from that church and not in a good way. And so when I, when I go, oh, well, if I would have bought into him and been like, oh, no, you have to, you have to, you have to then when he got into some trouble, maybe I would have been a little derailed. But I thought to myself, hey, that's, 
that's a personal thing. Um, that is not, there's no requirement of how many times in a 52 Sunday year you have to do communion. It's, it's left up to us. There are things left up to us. So there are essentials and there are non-essentials. The idea of Christ and God is not a non-essential. That's an essential. That's up here. That's number one. Secondly, it seems that in our day, many people are discouraged, angry, worn out, off balance. And I'm talking about in the church. People that are attending a church are all of these things. For the disciple of Christ, this should not be so. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have emotions, but it, doesn't, it does mean that you, there is a way and that you can know that way because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's telling people, all people, that there is a way. There is absolute truth. And in order to have life, you have to know the creator. You have to know God through Christ. Lastly, the enemy is a master deceiver and will do anything to keep people from finding the way. Anything to keep people from finding the truth. Anything to keep people off balance. Empty philosophies. Keep people guessing. Keep them just completely like, oh, nothing is true. Nothing is true. That's what I've learned in my spiritual journey. That's what he wants from people. He wants people on a quest that they can never solve. One that has no accountability, specifically. That's the number one reason people object to, you say God and a lot of people, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, God, God's awesome. There's a lot of Hollywood movies made about God. Bruce Almighty. Half of that movie, half of that movie is about God. Morgan Freeman, a wonderful voice to choose for God, by the way. But it had no Jesus in it. None. That's why that movie is just a movie. It's just a, it's just a, a, a funny movie. But in Christ, there's accountability. There is me coming to the Lord and saying, hey, God, I cannot do this life. I do make a lot of mistakes, and I do. I do, I make mistakes every single day. I have sin in my life. I need you. I cannot get there without you. That is the one thing, because of the grace that then comes to me, it's the one thing you're never gonna find on. There's 8,000 religions, probably more, okay? Cults that you can find out about. Not one of them says that. Not one of them says that. So, there is no accountability to the creator in all of these things and that everything else is usually works-based, something that you gotta do. This is a heavy yoke. This is a heavy burden and it's no wonder that suicides are on the rise. I just read the CFO of Bed Bath & Beyond just committed suicide yesterday. D jumped out of his 18-story uh, apartment in New York City and the backstory is that Bed Bath & Beyond has, has just internally announced that they're going to close over 10% of their stores. Their stock's in the toilet. This guy was a rock star CFO from, I think, from Europe, maybe from Avon. And they brought him in. They're like, this guy will fix the whole company. And he started in April of 2020. Do you guys know what happened in April 1st of 2020? New York City shut down. I think they're still shut down. Um, how could anybody do well? in the last two years and six months. How could you expect a CFO to fix the company when the economy for the past two and a half years has been in the toilet? But that guy wore all that. He thought it was his job. He thought it was his responsibility. You have to fix what the whole world is broken. You gotta fix it in this one company, in a dying industry for big box stores. 
when Amazon has all of the same stuff and maybe less expensive and you don't even have to leave. It's a tough world to compete. And this guy, uh, there's a lot of other backstory, but that's what, when I read that story, I was like, this guy, the weight of the world was on him. He couldn't handle that burden. That was just a, 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 a job burden. That wasn't even a spiritual burden. Suicides are on the rise, up over 100% this year in America. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden. My burden is easy, my yoke is light. If you find yourself struggling today, please reach out. We are here for you. We would love to listen to you, talk with you, pray for you, um, and to encourage you to follow the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He is, he was, and he always will be. Amen, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for um, the clarity. God, we know that uh, living uh, for, for you in this life is not always easy, um, but we know, Lord, that there is truth in this, in this universe. We know that you are the author of it. We know that you are the light. We know, Lord, that you love us and that you created us for a relationship with you and that you have made a way through the cross for us to know you and for us to be in heaven one day. Uh, God, I pray for those that are struggling. I pray for those that are sick and away and maybe watching online that you would encourage them. God, that they would find uh, fellowship with you, that they would find uh, comfort from your spirit in Jesus' name. And we thank you again for the food that we're eating in 10 minutes in Jesus' name. Amen.